Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? And we're live. Welcome everybody here to the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin. Apologies for the delays. I was supposed to record an hour and a half ago, and then I was going to come on the air at two my time, twelve Pacific, and um, I then had some conversations that uh, that popped up and uh, pushed this back another you know fifteen twenty minutes or so, and here we are. But what that means is that we are uh, going to have the absolute latest on on everything. I did change up some of the show here, so you can see now on the right side of your screen. Um, it is the four year anniversary of Kobe's passing. I did want to say some you know some things about him that day. Looking back on it, what he kind of means to me now, uh, years after the fact. And all of that. So we're going to discuss uh, some of that. Um, I'm told, again, that the Lakers and Hawks are just kind of waiting this thing out. Um, but I do have some interesting intel on that front um, that, I, that I just got. And then um, the questions that I'm sure that you guys are going to be asking a bunch is what comes after Murray, whether it's a, you know, no matter what the resolution to the Murray situation might be, what might that roster look like? And then I will answer your actual questions, whether it's from the iTunes mailbag, from Twitter, from here in the comment section. A quick reminder, please do hit that subscribe button. It does greatly help the show. We are up to like 500 new subscribers every 30 days or so. That's the pace that we are currently carrying. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in the way that you guys have. I greatly appreciate that. 
please also like this video. That is even easier, I think. It takes even less to like a video than to subscribe to a feed. Um, and uh, it, that greatly helps this uh, channel and the videos that you like as well to continue to grow and continue this thing growing and continue this momentum moving forward so that we can do some really cool things here um, even after the deadline and going into the, the you know seasons into the future. But, um, yeah, so I guess we're going to start with Kobe. It is um, four years to the day that he passed away and Gianna passed away in the room. Everybody else on that, on that helicopter passed away. And, um, you know, I still, I, I, I don't think any of us will ever be able to forget what that day was like, right? You had, uh, you had TMZ report it in the morning and, uh, you know, I thought it was a hoax. I thought for sure this, th there's no way that this guy could no longer be a part of our lives. And, um, you know, I remember like, so we, we were renting a house in Yorba Linda at the time. And the way that our house was kind of built, our bedroom was way at the back of the house. Way, like you, it was, it was pretty far removed from the living room. There was a hallway that connected those things. But essentially, like the house was built kind of like a U. So you had a hallway that went to the bedrooms in the house. And then you had another hallway that went to like the kitchen, the dining room. We had a little breakfast nook as well. And we had the outdoor area that was outside of the, the breakfast nook. And Jen was in the kitchen. And uh, I looked at my phone that morning. And I just said, what the it's too early in the show to cuss. But what the? F and Jen hears me, and I, I'm, I just keep saying, like, no way, no way, no way. And apparently I was making such a, a racket that Jen ran around and was like, what is wrong? What is going on? And I, I told her, I was like, TMZ is reporting that Kobe Bryant passed away. He died in a helicopter crash. And she goes, no, what? No, come on. That's that's got to be fake, right? It has to be fake. No, no, I don't think it was. I don't think it was fake. It doesn't look like it's fake. TMZ doesn't miss these things. And then what came out after, like what what passed afterward, in the immediate, like aftermath of all of this, was who else from his family was in that helicopter with him? And initially, it looked like everybody might have been in there. The whole Bryant family was wiped out. And then for a second, it looked like Kobe and all of his kids uh, were in the helicopter and only Vanessa was not in it. And, you know, every new rumor was like another kind of like stab to the heart almost. You know, I remember at one point, like feeling short of breath because it just felt so devastating to, to lose this guy in this way and also see the impact that this was going to have on the people who were left behind. And, um, you know, anyway, that all comes to pass. At that time, I was hosting Locked on Lakers. And I made the decision. I, I texted Pete, and I said, you know, I, I think I think they need to hear from us. 
I think we are a part of their lives. They are, we we are going to be part of this kind of um, mourning process. We should be there for them. And um, not judging in any way whatsoever. But Pete said, I can't, man. I can't talk right now. Pete was absolutely devastated. We all were. And I said, no worries at all, man. I'll handle this one. And I went on the air, and honestly, to this day, I can't even remember what I said. Um, at that time, my drinking problem was really bad. So I actually poured myself a margarita and went on the air. And um, don't remember what I said. Was just sick to my stomach. Probably cried a little bit on the air. I don't know. And just got through it. But it was important to me to go on the air that day and like try to be there for everybody else who was feeling exactly like I was. And um, you know, that was when I realized how important this nonsense can be for people. Um, you know, we are, I am a voice in your head every day or so. And uh, you know, this community, this Lakers fan community, the, you know, the fandom that we all cherish is um is really important to a lot of people. And in moments like that, we get through them together. So that's what that moment meant to me in the moment, you know, what, what that day meant to me in the moment and the years that followed, right. Um, you know, my dad, uh, and you know, my dad twice over my girl, dad, uh, as well. And, you know, the more time that passes by, I'll always love Kobe, the basketball player. He's like right behind me. Right. I'll always remember the way that he played basketball and the way he approached competing and all of those things. And, uh, you know, I, I, I sincerely miss the attitude and the way that he approached the sport. And I think, I think the basketball world really misses him because uh, I don't think he would tolerate all of the, the load management and stuff that we have today in the sport. And yet the longer that we move you know, more time passes from Kobe Bryant, the basketball player, and losing that. I just keep thinking like Kobe Bryant, the dad, you know, and how much he loved his kids and how much he loved being a father and how unfair it is that that part of his life just ripped away, both from him and from the daughters who are still here with us. And it's great to see Powell living up to the promises that he made Kobe. And it's great to see the strength that Vanessa puts forward in, in the role that she currently is in right now. But like, I, I, I get legitimate anxiety because I know I put my body through all kinds of nonsense um, in my, in my early adulthood and even through to my thirties or so where I was drinking like a fish, not getting enough sleep, not eating well, not exercising the way that I should have, uh, not drinking enough water even, you know, and the idea that for any portion of my kids' lives, while they are still kids, they might not have me or I might not get to watch them grow up terrifies me, absolutely floors me. And um, as much as I love Kobe, the basketball player, as much as I loved watching him, and as much as that guy 
kind of inspired me on a basketball court, the way that he played the sport and the way that he cared about being a Laker, all those things. To me, it's it's more um, it's more Kobe the dad is the is the person that I kind of look up to a lot more. And I, you know, I'm really curious how people look back on on that as well. And your guys is, you know, the memories that you cherish with Kobe and and the way that you remember him now. I'm going to try to segue awkwardly from that to um, the rest of the show. So here we go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Lakers and the Hawks, I am told, are um, currently just kind of sitting there staring at each other with an offer on the table. How actionable that offer is and like if Atlanta just decided to accept it, how quickly things would move forward is up for debate from, from what I'm hearing, but uh, as it stands, Jake Fisher reported today another little detail that apparently the Lakers offer or the best offer that the Lakers have put forward so far is D'Angelo Russell, Jalen hood Shafino, that 2029 pick, and a pick swap also in the near future. The Lakers can uh, uh, include a pick swap in this trade offer and not uh, set off the Stepien rule. Um because they would still be drafting in whatever year it is that they elect to swap picks. So uh, that is still something that the Lakers can add to their, to their offer. And that is apparently something that they did. That is new information that that is the offer getting a little bit better from um, what I thought it was a couple. Now it's two weeks ago um, is, is the closest that the Lakers ever got to a deal. And, and, and uh, the first standoff. And I guess, you know, the two teams kind of check in on things. They realize that they are still in the same place that they were before. And um, this is the new information that I just got, um, you know, moments before uh, I went here to talk to you guys is apparently the Lakers are now, they haven't moved on. They are still in contact with the Hawks and would still like to have Murray. He is still their top priority. But with, you know, only uh, a week or so to, you know, to go before the deadline or a couple, you know, just a little under two weeks to go before the deadline, the Lakers have, I am told, started uh, pursuing other avenues with the pieces that they would be utilizing in that DeJounte Murray trade. So... Whether they find something actionable with those pieces is obviously, it remains to be seen, but that is a new development to the situation that um, we have now seen where the Lakers are kind of sick of waiting and uh, need to get on with the rest of their deadline because, um, you know, they do, they do still feel like they, they, they need an upgrade at the point guard position. They do still feel 
like uh, as much as great as D'Angelo Russell has played, there's concern that he wouldn't look like this in the postseason <clears throat> because he hasn't. And there's concern that if he does continue to look anything close to this, he opts out and now they have to offer him a big payday for like longer years too in the off season. And I don't know how, how comfortable they are with that either. So um, again, the new kind of development in this story here is that the Lakers have started making calls for a while there. They weren't throwing out pieces that they knew that they had to include in, in the Murray trade. Now, apparently they are, are talking to teams um, about, you know, certain players, Malcolm Brogdon comes to mind here. Tyus Jones also comes to mind here. Dorian Finney-Smith um, for um, Brooklyn comes to mind here as well, and others. Uh, Bruce Brown, I'm told that the Lakers are out on. The price is too high for him. So uh, the, 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 the new aspect of the story here is that the Lakers are calling other teams, and they are including in those talks D'Angelo Russell potentially and that 2029 first round pick or that uh, Jalen Huchifino, um, the rights to Jalen Huchifino and so on and so forth. And uh, we'll see what, what that looks like. Um, and, and uh, you know, look, it's, it's good to get a development, right? I know you guys got sick of me saying like same things yesterday, same things yesterday. This is new information. This is, I don't know how I'm, I'm working to, 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 you know, uh, really really hammer home when the lakers started pursuing these other avenues but uh that is a new development that took place that has taken place you know in in the in the recent past or so the last i would say probably 48 72 hours or so and and we'll see what comes of those things and we'll see what comes of the situation you know, as it gets more and more reported that the Lakers are looking at those other avenues and, and Atlanta starts to look at a situation where, like, we already know they don't like the Lakers offer as it currently stands because they haven't acted on it. But if they come to find out that the Lakers might move, they again, they haven't moved on. But if Atlanta comes to find out that the Lakers are pursuing these other avenues and they like these other trades less than the Lakers uh, trade, they might start to, to to get a little antsy themselves, and and we'll see um, where 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 that takes things after that. Now, what comes after Murray, or what comes after a Murray resolution, whether it's the Lakers having De- uh, Dejounte Murray on their team or not, um, depends on the player that they use these other assets on. It does look like they are still trying to use that, like they um, coming into the deadline. I thought that the Lakers would be looking for an excuse not to use a 2029 pick so that they could use it in the uh, in the upcoming draft season or just hold on to it for the post LeBron rebuild, whatever, whatever the, the outcome there might be. Um, <clears throat> the sense that I get now is that they would like, they would prefer to add to their roster, utilizing some of these assets to uh, to really bolster this rotation and, you know, be able to offer up to Anthony Davis and to LeBron James the best opportunity they have to win this season and in the in the couple of seasons, however long those two remain Lakers. Um, I 
have not gotten the sense that they are against taking on longer term money. That is different from the previous couple uh, trade deadlines. Um, I have not gotten the sense that um, anybody is untouchable. So like other than LeBron and AD. So for all of the Austin Reeves untouchable stuff, uh, if a superstar were to become available, the Lakers would really think long and hard. And they, I don't think they would love doing it, but I think Austin would be up for a trade in that kind of a scenario. They just don't consider DeJounte Murray a superstar and he's the best player on the market right now. And so they haven't felt the need to include Austin in any of these conversations. And uh, in terms of like needs that I have heard that they, that they are looking at, they still want shooting. So I still kind of am keeping an eye on, on Luke Kennard. Um, they still want some more athleticism and they still want to uh, improve their backup center situation. I believe and it's not to say that they aren't happy with Christian Wood, because I do think he, especially lately has outplayed a veterans minimum deal, but I do think they are somewhat disappointed with what they've gotten from Jackson Hayes this year and they do know that if they go into a series and Anthony Davis is the biggest person, the biggest body that they could throw at Jokic um, or other bigger bigs that they run the risk of getting out physical in the series, then I think that they would like to avoid that. So um, I, I do think eventually, whether it's on the buyout market or in uh, trade talks, the Lakers are eventually going to look to adding more umph to their front court, their backup front court. Um, the tricky thing there is, right, the bigger that the guys get, the clunkier it starts to look when they play with Anthony Davis. And, uh, you know, that is something I now look, if you're trading for a big who is who has some girth to him and can also play with Anthony Davis, that's an expensive big that is going to, you know, that's you know, like Kelly Linux of the world. Uh, you know, Marcus all fit like a glove before he got sick before. You're talking about a special big in that circumstance, and you're going to have to give up an asset to get that guy. So we'll see what that what that trade would look like. And then after that, you know, you have the buyout market. And I do think that the Lakers, I've been reporting this here for a couple of weeks, I do think that the Lakers would like to open up another roster spot to be able to fill it with somebody who becomes available via buyout. Um, Jake Fisher did write in his piece today that if Kyle Lowry does get bought out by Charlotte. And I think that is they're, they're I guess they're trying to trade him. And if they aren't able to trade him, then they would probably buy him out. And I guess the leader in the sweepstakes there is uh, Philadelphia. But I do think that the Lakers would probably show some interest there because they aren't sure what they're going to be able to get from Gabe this year. And uh, I, I, I do think, um, and I, I, you know, as we get more reporting on this and as I dig a little more into it myself, I do think eventually we'll start to get some Gordon Hayward noise as well. And the two sides there will be linked um, as, as we get into the buyout season that usually comes a little after the trade deadline, but with how quickly this trade deadline has proceeded, we might actually get into buyout season a little early. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll keep a lookout for, for that as well. Um, as far as moving Gabe Vincent, some of the reporting here and some of what I'm hearing is somewhat contradictory where uh, around the league, you know, the reports are that Gabe is considered a negative asset. 
I have not heard that as much. It's on a, you know, he has two years left on his contract. They're only at about 10 million bucks a season. He was a very good player as recently as last playoffs. And the injury that he's dealing with right now is not considered career threatening. So there's no reason like with Kendrick Nunn, he was on his way out of the league anyway, and he got hurt. And so, you, you know, he was kind of seen even as a, as an expiring, it was like, well, we aren't going to get anything on a basketball court from this guy ever. So it is just a contract. And uh, even though he has a couple of years left on his deal, I have been told that um, because of his reputation around the league and because of what we saw him do in that playoff run for Miami, there are at least a few teams out there who think that there is still good basketball to be played by Gabe Vincent. So I don't necessarily buy the negative asset stuff. That kind of feels like posturing from teams around the league um, to put the Lakers at a weakened spot in these negotiations. But, you know, I also wouldn't blame them, right? Like he didn't look that great earlier this year when he was healthy and then he hasn't been healthy since. So if that is actually the case, and I'm not here to say that the reporting done on that is for sure false. We all talk to different people and different teams feel differently about different players. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me if people felt a certain way about Gabe, then that, you know, isn't how other teams feel about him. So I, but now all that said, you know, a 10 million dollar contract combined with a couple um, veteran minimum deals. I do think the Lakers are looking to use that combination of contracts to bring in somebody who they are more comfortable is going to help them this season. Um, they also have Gabe's medicals in front of them as well. So as they do that, they know more than most teams do about what Gabe may or may not be able to do this, um, this upcoming, you know, for, for the, the stretch run after the trade deadline. We also, uh, I also know, and this is, this is something that <clears throat> I think, the league is kind of coming around on. I know I just said a second ago that the Lakers are looking to add some shooting. Sorry, one second. Ooh, sorry. Um, I know that I just said a second ago that the Lakers are looking to add shooting, but I think the league is now very cognizant of the fact that guys who only shoot uh, become much less playable a lot more quickly in the postseason because it's such a narrow skill set that you're working with and if you get a good playoff defender on that player it's easy to take that player out of the game and you know that they become more of a hindrance because they can take be taken advantage of on the other side of the court so like you know i know we just watched last night for those of you who watched the sacramento kings game where kevin herter uh is is um somebody who like last year kind of fell apart in the postseason, And then last night's game gets more physical, gets a little tougher. And uh, you know, he winds up missing both of those free throws down the stretch and kind of short circuits again. in in the way that we saw him do last postseason, the Lakers, you know, are, are trying to find those players who, yeah, they can shoot, but that isn't the only thing that they offer because they went through the Malik Beasley experience last year where Beasley, you know, forgot how to shoot and then was just an absolute disaster on the other side of the ball. And, uh, 
you know, the Lakers need to avoid and feel like they need to avoid that. So, you know, with the Luke Kennards of the world, and we've seen him play well in the postseason, but <clears throat> those guys who just shoot, I don't think the Lakers will be using any of their like key trade assets to go out and get somebody like that. If they find somebody on the buyout market who can shoot, but does other stuff cool, but I don't think they are going to like specifically seek out just guys who just shoot. Man, I swear. Um, all right. Uh, that is um, enough rambling on my part. I'm going to go ahead and take a look at your guys' questions and the questions that you guys keep posing, um, whether it is on the uh, iTunes uh, mailbag, whether it is in the um, the tweet that I sent out earlier today. We have a lot to get to, so let's go ahead and jump into that. Uh Uh, I don't think I got to this one. So this is from Shush on the uh, Apple mailbag. And again, the best way to get your topic covered here is in the form of a five-star review on iTunes. I, re I really appreciate those of you who have been doing that. And a reminder to those of you who are just tuning in now, please hit the like button on this video. Please hit that subscribe button as well. And let's keep this thing growing um, and moving forward. So, hey, Anthony, am I the only one who wants to keep D'Lo? I think the only way the Lakers can trade D'Lo is if they get a playmaker back. I don't see any playmakers who are available that I would prefer to keep or I would prefer over D'Lo. I do admit I do admit I am biased because I'm a D'Lo fan and have been since he got since he was drafted. I think he gets a bad rep, but he can dribble and shoot and pass like Pete says, and that is rare on this team. Thanks for the response. No, I don't think you're alone. And I think there are people in the Lakers own building who would like to keep D'Lo even over Jazante Murray. Um, that is something that, um, I I'm told <clears throat> that conference conversation internally has picked up is like, Hey, you see what this guy's doing right now? Um, and we saw over the summer, I think some real mature quotes from D'Lo. And I think if the Lakers, you know, reach out to him, <clears throat> offer that kind of olive branch and recommit to him, maybe he becomes the player that they need him to be not just in the regular season, but in the postseason. So we'll see. But um, the thing with D'Lo is it's not just the player that you're trading. It's the contractual situation. <clears throat> As I said a second ago, you have a player option here that like, if he picks up that player option, the season went poorly and you're on the books, you're on the hook for that player option next year. If the season goes well, He's opting out, and you risk <clears throat> foregoing and improving your roster right now, and losing him for nothing in, in the uh, in the summer. So, I don't think that um, it would be wise from just an asset management perspective to just keep D'Lo without checking in on him and saying, "All right, man, we are committed to you. Can you commit to us?" Can we build and, and move forward together? I think that communication, if that happens, is absolutely vital and crucial. And unfortunately, this year has been lacking from the head coach. So we'll see what that kind of looks like. <clears throat> All right. The next uh, comment, <laughs> uh, Blinking King 88 NBA insider ace man. Uh, you know what? I, I'm going to just add that to my Twitter profile. How about that? 
LA240825 writes, <clears throat> Anthony, as of 122.24, Embiid and Cat just scored 70 and 62 on the anniversary of Kobe's 81 point game. My two questions are Do you think anyone will get to Kobe's 81 and who might be the closest? The second question is Do you think if Kobe played in today's game, he could have cracked 100? The mid 2000s were a tough defensive era and low scoring. I think he gets to at least 90 at some point in today's game. Thanks for all the content. That is a fantastic question. That is such a fun one. All right. So, in terms of players <clears throat> that I could see getting close to Kobe, I think you have to go with uh, Booker or Luca. And the reason I say that is the, the way that they get to the free throw line is important here. Their ability to shoot from three, and if they get hot from three, look out. They are just absolutely unguardable by just about anybody when they really have it going. And it's easier for them to get the ball in their hands. It was actually kind of insane to watch Embiid and Cat, and I thought it was interesting that Cat actually lost his game when he was scoring like that because they were forcing him the basketball, and it took them out of a rhythm offensively, and they lost to a bad Charlotte Hornets team. So, <clears throat> so I, I think it would have to be a guard, and I think it has to be somebody who can get hot from three-point range and also gets to the free-throw line, and I think Devin Booker is the best equipped to do so. Whether or not we'll see it, with the way that the league is incentivizing scoring nowadays with the rules and all that stuff, I would probably say, I think we probably see it. I, I, I think someday we see somebody top 81. Now, as far as Kobe, what Kobe could have done, man, that's fun because, you know, I, I'm not going to say like people forget. No, everybody remembers uh, the way that Kobe could score, but Kobe at one point hit like 12 threes in a game. And got crazy hot in that one and could also get to the free throw line. And also, if you played in today's game, <laughs> understanding how important the three-pointer is, I, Kobe had a very replicable shot. And, um, you know, like that's why he was so great in the mid-range. And I think a lot of that could have translated to the three-point line if that was something that he saw would have given him an, an advantage. So like the idea, the idea of Kobe like scoring as efficiently as these guys do, given the information that we know about like what make you know, how to score efficiently. Yeah. I, I think Kobe easily could have cracked 90 and remember in that game, in that 81 point game, I think he only had like 20 points in the first half. <laughs> and like, if he just scores a little bit more in that first half, there's 90 in that night as that night went. And uh, I think if if it came down to now, I do actually think Kobe probably could have cracked 100 points by himself. Given And it also takes, you also have to be a bit of an asshole to score that much. You know, there has to be almost like a, you know, uh, you have to be willing to just absolutely humiliate everybody around you on the other team. And that's why I say, like, Luca could do it. And we know Booker can feel that way about some of the guys that he's playing against, too. Kobe had that passion, had that willingness to go out there and humiliate guys as well. And, yeah, I definitely think Kobe could have scored 100 points. That's a great question. That's a fun one to think about. Um, B Bully 16 writes, 
Uh, so in your own words, you said LeBron doesn't like slash want to be coached, coached right. So when he doesn't listen to the coach's advice and the players follow his lead, that's the coach's fault. <clears throat> so whoever the coach is, is just a figurehead, a formality. How could any coach succeed under those, those conditions? And by your logic, if LeBron is making things difficult because he doesn't want to be coached, doesn't that mean he deserves more blame for how things turn out? I'm guessing this is the person who accused me of having um, glasses on before. So I'll put on those glasses again. Just because LeBron doesn't want to be coached doesn't mean he remains uncoachable. Just because, like, LeBron gets frustrated by what he considers bad coaching doesn't mean he's not going to give it a try first to see if it fails and then, you know, fall back. And now, look, you know, LeBron is 40 years old basically at this point. And um, you know, is reluctant, I think, to learn new habits. And I do think that does put some uh, some pressure on the Lakers here because the rest of the league has kind of moved away from heliocentric offenses, right? <laughs> offenses that are just a single player uh, being the 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 engine and the rudder for the for that team. And I do think that the Lakers have struggled sometimes in some clutch spots because LeBron isn't the same guy he was, yet still wants the ball in those spots and wants to operate at the top of the court and, you know, winds up just taking a tough three-pointer off of the dribble when in reality the Lakers might be better off running a set and getting him in some motion there. So, like, I'm not saying LeBron is blameless <clears throat> when it comes to coaching no matter who he gets coached by. He's a leader on the team, and he is a part of the, the, the problem when the Lakers have problems, and he is a part of the solution when the Lakers try to work their way out of those problems. Um, I just think a lot of times people look for one singular issue here, and it's easy to, to, to hate LeBron if you have done so. You're, like my mom hates LeBron. It is the most ridiculous thing. He could do anything whatsoever and she just she's a kobe guy you know and that was a rivalry for a long time and i think a lot of lakers fans have moved past it but i think there are a lot of lakers fans or a lot of kobe fans who were just like no i'm still a kobe guy i'm still riding for kobe and i think that's essentially how my mom feels about it and <clears throat> the um it's easy if that's a, if that is your worldview to blame LeBron for all of those things. I just am not willing to do that because he's also such a big part of things when they go well for the Lakers. All right, let's dive into the questions that I got from Twitter. <laughs> and there are a ton of them. So yeah, there are 37 replies to this. So I'm going to go as quickly as I can for some of these. Starting with the first ones that I got. I'm scrolling all the way down to the bottom. It looks like the Matrix. All right. Um, looks like the first one I got is from at Let Max Cook. I agree with that at. If the Murray slash D'Lo plus, uh, plus a first trade crosses the finish line, what is the next move? What types of players would they look to build around um, DGM? Oh, DeJounte Murray, AR, LeBron, and an AD core. <clears throat> um, 
yeah, I think they would like to. I think they would like to bring in again the, the the big that I talked about before and add some girth to the front line. I think they would like to add a shooting guard there. Like my ideal trade deadline, I said this last night to Raj is uh, Dejounte Murray and Gary Trent Jr. I think you have the assets to get both done, but we'll see. And, um, and yeah, like I, I just think like guys who can shoot who can also play defense. The Lakers have way too many three or D. Uh, players or no three nor D players <clears throat> on some nights and the Lakers need to get more guys who can do stuff on both sides of the ball. So no matter whether they get Murray or not, I think that is their focus is to add more two way talent to this roster. Uh, B ball and KY writes, how does the front office justify keeping Darwin for the season? Knowing that one, this could be LeBron's last season with the Lakers Two. He refuses to play the lineup that led to the world that uh, led them to the Western Conference Finals. And three is just all around terrible. Three question marks. Uh, all right. So three, I don't think he's all around terrible. I don't think he's a bad human being. And I think the Lakers are fond of him, the human. I do think he has a serious blind spot here that has only gotten worse over the course of the season. It has really hurt the Lakers. Last night almost turned me into the Joker. I saw red. Um, I had somebody reach out to me today, say like, hey, were you okay? Not somebody, a few people asked me like, hey, were you all right last night? Like that sounded like old, like team tank screaming at Byron, Anthony. Like, are you okay? They won. You know, they won, right? And um, I'm sorry when you get asked about a certain lineup at the beginning of the game. And when it is so weird for the entirety of the season that you have chosen not to play that lineup. <laughs> and then. You get asked about it, and you make some stupid excuse for why you haven't used them. Then you use them. You bring them in with two minutes to go before the half. They immediately go on a 9-0 run, and uh, we don't see them for the rest of the night. I'm sorry, man. That's going to turn me into the Joker. That's going to, like, that's good. I'm going to lose my mind with that kind of coaching. And um, so, like, yeah, I, I the, the the frustrations that have been there all season remain there after last night. I checked in, and 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 there are some guys who are still just kind of rolling their eyes at the way Darvin is managing this roster, and um, guys in the locker room and throughout the organization is just kind of like people, I guess, throughout the organization are just saying like, "What is going on? What is like? Why is he doing it?" Um, now, the first part is the most salient, I think, for the purpose of this conversation. If LeBron leaves and you wasted that last prime LeBron year with a coach who you knew was suboptimal. And I, I don't think that like Rob and Jeannie know that he is bad. Otherwise I do think that they would fire him. I think that they are looking for reasons to believe in the guy, but I, I do kind of uh, wonder if they, um, they are now kind of coming around to the idea, having had so many conversations with people at various levels of the organization to the idea that like, okay, yeah, this guy isn't it. And look, you know, there is no deadline to fire a coach. There is no deadline to hire a new one. It gets more difficult the later that you go into a season, but you know, I, the Bucks firing Adrian Griffin sent a bit of a message to, to, to like all coaches and to all organizations that anybody can go at any time. And now apparently there's some stuff going. I'm not going to touch on the rumors that are going on around a uh, Adrian Griffin. I'm not going to 
it no i'm not going to talk about that at all but um i i do think that the lakers there were some people in that organization who were kind of like huh you see that you see what they did over there he wasn't good they knew it just you know just heads up they there were a lot of like <laughs> Like if if this was like a if this was like in the nineties when newspapers were still like like actual print newspapers were a thing, I'm sure like some smart person within the organization would have like left a bunch of newspapers around the <laughs> around the facility opened up to Milwaukee fires Griffin like just just you know they it's a thing we can do it's an option you know um and I, that 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 kind of um. That would make me really chuckle, but but uh, it does suck that that is still very much on the table, that the Lakers could waste this LeBron season, potentially their last LeBron season, with a coach that I don't have any real confidence in moving forward. I got to speed it up. Do the front office want to make multiple trades or want to just trade for Murray? I think they know that they have to do more across the roster than just DeJounte Murray. Um. Jason Kelly writes a team that has an incompetent coach who has support from the owner and GM, no matter what, isn't the team worth investing in. Will Darvin ever coach a finals team? I don't think so. If he's not getting fired, why invest in this team? I don't know if you're asking that from like organizationally. Cause like, all right, if you're asking that organizationally, the Lakers at the very top of the, uh, of the organization, I do still think, they have faith in Darvin. And if they have faith in him, then they are going to invest in the team. If you're asking this as a fan, I said this, I think last week, right? Like we only have so many seasons and we have even fewer good ones, right? Like I am talking to you today on the anniversary of Kobe's untimely passing that nobody could have seen coming. So like foregoing a season just because you don't like the head coach when the Lakers could be like that run last year, the second half of last season was magical, absolutely magical. And had we had somebody given up on the Lakers because of the Russell Westbrook thing, or because of the way that they handled the Russell Westbrook thing, they would have missed out on that run. And that would have really sucked. Right. And so this year, if they make the right tweaks of the roster, and if Darvin gets some sense knocked into him and he opens his eyes up and he refu and, and he stops like kind of uh, following his ego, then you could be in line for another one of those magical runs. And you don't want to miss those, man. You just don't know how many you got. Um, all right. Smirk writes, big fan of your work is if Jazante gets traded, he's about to go crazy. <clears throat> I think there's a central point there that is worth echoing in that. I do think Murray would be better in LA than he has been in Atlanta. Um, he would have more defensive support. AD is better than any defender that he has ever had ever in his life. Probably that's going to help um, playing next to LeBron, a fellow clutch client who would kind of take him under his wing, I think would really help Murray as well. And there's an, a, a, an excitement to a new situation and specifically a Lakers situation that as I have said, and as I've reported, he really wants to be a part of. Um, I, I also think that would make him a better player as well. Can we get Murray and keep D'Lo? Mathematically? Let me look. 
mathematically. I don't know how open the the Hawks would be to this, but you know, I, I can look it up. So I have I'll put Gabe in the trade. I'll put Fino in the trade. You know, just for shits and giggles, I'll put Torian Prince in the trade. And I will put DeJounte in the trade. Hit try. Yeah, mathematically he can. You know, mathematically you can uh, trade um, for Murray without giving up D'Lo. And I'm sure that's something that the Lakers have talked about as well. But the concern there would again be, uh, you know, relying on D'Angelo Russell moving forward and what happens with him in the offseason as well. So I, I, I still think it's more likely that D'Lo gets traded than not. Um, okay. This person asked three questions together. So why doesn't Ham play Wood and AD together more? Um, why can we get Murray, Trent and Tyus in a three, three team trade? And what big men are the Lakers trying to get besides Drummond? They've checked in on Olenek in the past. And, um, you know, Utah's kind of tough to trade with because they have, uh, they are trying to win as well. And Olenek has been a big part of their winning. Um, but I know that they would be interested in Olenek. Can you get Murray, Trent, and Tyus in a three-team trade? Yes, you can, but I don't think it would happen. And why doesn't Wood? Why doesn't Ham play Wood and AD together more? I think it's because Wood likes the, uh, or I think it's because Darvin likes the Wood and LeBron minutes quite a bit, and they've been good. Those minutes have been good. Um, Lake Show fan does uh, Delo's recent surge change the Lakers' front office's plans uh, plans at all? Mm, not really like like Aaron said it on the show right like um oh this is a good name too have I heard anything about Daniel Gafford yeah like the the, the Lakers are interested in him but that would require probably a first rounder from Washington they want him to be a part of uh they want him to be a part of their future after this rebuild or whatever so it's going to be hard to get Gafford. Now, going back to the um, D'Lo's recent surge, Aaron said it, right? When you have a player who has been around or in the league as long as D'Lo has been, the, the like the word is kind of out on him. Like this is just, you know, the, the league kind of knows who he is. And uh, unfortunately for D'Lo, that is the report. And um, and yeah, I, I you know that's that's kind of where they 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 stand on him right now. Is like, yeah, this is a cool run, but you you can't like, how do you extend what we've seen from him into the playoffs? Now he played well against the Clippers, and that helps. And he's played well against potential playoff teams, and that has helped. But how does he go against a team in a series when he becomes a focal point of the other team's offense to get him off of the court, as we saw before? So, or how does he handle? a team adjusting specifically to take him out of the game offensively. Those are the issues that he's had over the course of his career. And a few games recently in January doesn't really change that concern from the Lakers standpoint on him. And just a heads up. So I'm not saying, so there's, there's a comment here report. DeJounte Murray is the only player available player on the trade market who the Lakers would trade Angela Russell for. They view Brogdon Brown jr. And Dinwiddie as quote lateral moves. 
So I, I'm not saying that that is false. I just, I'm on the air and I can't double check it. So when you guys put that stuff there, it actually becomes more of a distraction than anything because I now start saying like, wait, where, where did they see it? And where did that come from? So um, anyway, uh, ooh, uh, King Crud uh, asking about Biombo, who is available just to be signed as a free agent. He would fit that that kind of description. And I do think ideally the Lakers would like to move off of Hayes' contract to bring Biombo in and be more of that muscle. So that's a that's a good um that's a good comment there from from King Crud. Um uh, there's a, a lot of overlap here in some of these questions so I'm going to scroll on up. Somebody is asking about the likelihood of both Murray and Bruce Brown. <laughs> I I don't see it. it they they both are going to cost like both both guys are seen by both of their teams as costing multiple firsts, like or a first and stuff beyond a first, and the Lakers only have the one first to trade. So you're not going to get both guys. Um, all right. What ha- what should have the front office done about Ham after the Shams Butler Buha or the Shams Buha article? If leaking to Amic etc. to show support is a wrong move. Keeping quiet, <coughs> excuse me, also has its consequences. PR is just so important in this business. That's fair. That's a good comment. And George is, is one of my favorite commenters um, here. You always provide good nuance, even if you push against my ideas. I'm not saying it was bad to leak support of, of Darwin. Um, I think that, and like from what I've been able to tell, this hasn't been the case. They should have taken those those comments more to heart, and I'm told that they didn't. And I think that kind of hurts the vibes within the locker room. And uh, you know, you can leak that support, but I think it also has to be accompanied by a, a rather you know tense conversation with the guy saying like, "Why do so many people feel like this about you? What is going on?" And they didn't do that, and I think that is um, a missed opportunity. All right, so I'm going to go through the YouTube. I, I didn't, I wasn't able to get to all of your Twitter questions. I do want to take some some questions from those of you who have been watching here live, um, and and especially some of our our, our our VIPs and their questions. So, Carlo writes: The Lakers get Murray, Dorian Finney-Smith. The Nets get D'Lo, Rui, two seconds. The Hawks get uh, Dinwiddie, Jan Huchifino, and two firsts. One protect one each protected from the Lakers and the Nets. Does that solve a world problem? Um, when you have a three-team deal, that is literally a three-way negotiation where all three teams are negotiating with each other. That makes it really difficult. Uh, Aaron, I thought, did a great job spelling out the various, um, like how essentially a a trade comes together. And, or a three-team trade comes together where like you have one main hub, one main team that's getting like, usually it's the team that's getting back the best player and it's on them to handle the negotiations on that side and then on that side. And when you have something that is more triangular, um, it makes it that much more difficult to actually come to an agreement with those three teams. So, and that's kind of what that trade kind of seems like. Um, we have a starred comment. Dylan writes, keep D'Lo, trade Gabe Torian and and picks for uh, Dorian Finney-Smith and Lonnie. I wouldn't hate it. 
you know, again, keeping D'Lo is something I get very nervous about, but I wouldn't hate, you know, pursuing a wing. Um, I wouldn't hate trading Torian. I like Torian a lot, and I think he's a much better player than he is considered to be by most of Lakers Twitter. It's just that the coach is kind of an idiot when it comes to using him, and that makes it really difficult to gauge who he actually is as a player. The one thing I'll say, though, on that front is given how I kind of know how these deals come together or the, the direction of this roster, Ham has input that gets taken very seriously, and there is zero way whatsoever he's okaying a Torian trade or, like, saying that a Torian trade makes um, any sense here. Let's go. Pope writes, uh, what do you think as an alternative acquiring Alex Caruso and uh, Andre Drummond for a combination of pick swaps um, and first and second rounders plus salary filler. I like the idea, but the problem is <clears throat> Chicago is like adamant with Caruso. Like it's one thing to say, we would prefer to get two picks for this guy. We would prefer to get one pick for Tyus Jones, right? It's kind of like what Washington is saying with Chicago. They are like, no, we are getting two picks for Alex Caruso. Don't have a conversation with us if you are not willing to start at two picks for this guy and negotiate from there. Um, and that obviously takes the Lakers out of the running for Caruso because they only have the one pick to work with. We also got a report that, like, uh, I guess the Bulls and Pistons had a conversation um, about uh, uh, Zach Levine trade. And I guess the Pist the, the bulls are like demanding that the Pistons throw in one of their core four from, from Detroit, right? Whether it's Kate or Jaden Ivy or any of those other guys that Detroit is building around. And, uh, yeah, you know, Chicago, I saw a stat the other day and I forget where I saw it. Apologies to who tweeted it, but Chicago, I guess has made the fewest trades of any team in the association for the last, umpteen years or whatever and that's kind of why is because they keep on asking and they're very unrealistic when it comes to their demands in these situations and refuse to come off of their um stances during those negotiations so i would love to get ac back played really well against the lakers last night but i just don't think it's really in the cards because chicago like look you can't fix stupid and chicago has been stupid since michael jordan was there all right. <clears throat> um, let's see. I think that is all my voice is going to be able to handle. And my daughter's godparents just walked into the house. So I am going to call it a quits here on this show. And for this week, thank you everybody for tuning in the way that you have all week. We had another couple hundred people in here tonight. We had a few hundred people watching live last night. We had 500 people watching live when uh, Jovan and I uh, recorded our show. So yeah, I uh, greatly appreciate uh, all of the support that you guys continue to show. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, comment, all that stuff. And I'll try to get to as many of those comments and questions as I possibly can here during this really busy time of the year. Um, but until the next time you guys hear from me, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a great rest of your weekend. Make somebody else's and I will talk to you on Sunday. Apologies for my voice. I'm so sick of this too.